Hey guys, David Eichel from Hawkeye Insider here. Sorry to cut in just before the start of the Swarmcast, but I thought I would take this opportunity to tell you about our VIP premium membership. For your first month of Premium Hawkeye Insider, it's only going to be a dollar. That's right. All the football, basketball, and recruiting scoop you could ever want, as well as access to the Swarm, our premium Iowa message board, as well as every other team's message board. So $1 for your first month or 30% off for an annual subscription, which is just under $7 a month. Thank you for your continued support of the Swarmcast, and let's get right into it. Another edition of the Swarmcast, David Eichholt, under the weather, uh, <laughs> here with Sean Bach and Dylan Byrne. So obviously there's a lot to talk about with football, uh, but first I, I figured we'd start off because Sean has to leave in about 20, 20 minutes or so to go do some other stuff for 24-7 or representing 24-7. So let's just start off with football recruiting and basketball recruiting. Huge weekend for Iowa, 70-plus recruits in town. We already have a lot of coverage on Hawkeye Insider for that. Uh, but we'll start with basketball. So, Sean, just give us kind of a general breakdown of, you know, a couple of the visits. And I know, Dylan, you got the chance to catch up uh, with Xavier Foster's uh, father as well. But, uh, Sean, just take it away. Yeah, I mean – Iowa probably had as good as a weekend as you can have in the basketball department for recruiting. Um, put themselves put themselves in good spots for guys like Joshua Wondele, three-star center out of Massachusetts, who I honestly compared to Nick Ward, um, Michigan State big man, who is a guy that plays kind of beneath the rim, but stands at like 6'9", 6'10", moves pretty well for his size, has that similar body frame, but a guy that I think could really fit in well to Iowa's system, very versatile, can shoot from deep. Um, he's a guy that Iowa fans should look out for. I've been told he's been visiting Cincinnati this week or this weekend, so that's something to look out for too. Um, I know that Virginia Tech and Rutgers are also involved. Not sure if an offer will come from them, but I think right now you look at it, and based on what I've been told, Iowa's sitting in a really good spot right now. Um, we'll see where that changes in the next couple of days. But as of right now, if I'm an Iowa fan, I feel pretty comfortable. Um, and with, let's see who else. Peyton Sanford, 2021 small forward out of Waukee. Offers from Air Force, Drake, Iowa, Minnesota, Utah, and Loyola, Chicago. If I didn't say that twice, I feel like I did for some reason. But he's a guy that Iowa's in a real good spot with early on. He's still in the early stages of the recruitment process. So, there's really no need to rush anything from his end. He's still got interest from Iowa State, Illinois. Um, Texas, I believe, is also in there. Not sure how serious that interest is, but it's definitely high major interest, and that's going to be something to monitor. I, I really like Peyton's game. Great kid. Um, just a really solid all-around player. And one thing I like about him the most is he's a good defender, too. He can obviously shoot the ball, score it when he wants, but I think the thing with him that you're going to get not really or something that you don't get from other recruits is he just goes out there and plays his game. He plays hard. He gets after on both sides of the ball. And that's, that's something, that's something you really like. And um, I think with the other visitors too, Taman Lipsy, a 2022 point guard at Ames, Iowa state, Nebraska have offered him future five-star high four-star kid. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Iowa didn't offer as far as we know, so really not much there. It's, I, I think it's kind of just like an introductory visit. He's still, Recovering from his ACL, so don't expect his recruitment to really pick up anytime soon. Um, Trey Lewis, a 2022 point guard from Johnston, is a guy I really like. If he wasn't five foot nine, I think he'd be he'd be a surefire high major prospect. But he's got a high ceiling. I think he's going to develop into something special. I saw him over the summer, and he showed promise. But 
just needs to get more of an opportunity and maybe get a little inch, more inches on him. So I think he could be developing to one of the state's top 2022 players up there with Taman. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch him. Am I am I missing anyone right uh, now? What about what about Trayton Thompson? Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's probably one of the bigger the bigger names on campus this weekend too. The four star out of Minneapolis, um, who actually plays his basketball at La Lumiere Lum- in Indiana, um, out there by the region. He's a guy that I really like. High upside guy, inside outside around six ten, six eleven, very skinny frame. It's kind of interesting right now. I think Iowa sits in a good spot early, but. He's got big-time offers from schools like Texas Tech, who has really emerged as a basketball, not necessarily a true basketball program, but a pretty good program over the past couple of years when you take into account what Chris Bird's – Chris Beard – Chris Bird, what was, that? what was I saying there? Chris Beard – too much talking. Chris Beard – what Chris Beard has done over there. Um, Oklahoma, Minnesota. Minnesota's the hometown team, Richard Patino, And there's a few other programs showing interest like Purdue and Marquette. Um, so there's, like I said, it's the same deal with Sanford, with Thompson. There's a long way to go in this recruitment, but you got to like what Iowa did. Gain him on campus early. And he told them too. Iowa told them, they're like straight up. They said, you're, we don't really have juniors on official visits much. So that really means something to us when you're on campus as an official visitor, as a junior. So I was making a priority early and that's going to be a name names. You're going to want to monitor throughout this recruitment process. But I think the 2020 class is starting to really shape up. Um, Tony Perkins, a three-star guard out of Indianapolis, is coming up this weekend, which I think will be a visit to watch. I really like Perkins. I know we have a couple breakdowns of his game on 24-7 Sports Talk Insider.com, which you can look at for. Um, and, yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that Iowa fans should really should really get to know because I think the Hawkeyes are in a really good spot with him. Now, I know the biggest visitor on campus, which has been basically named to watch in the state for the past four years, Xavier Foster. Uh, Dylan, you've been really kind of all over this recruitment, covering it for us. I know you you had the chance to catch up with a couple sources around his recruitment. What did you kind of hear after after the visit regarding Foster? Yeah, I got to talk to Xavier's dad, uh, DeWan, and this really wasn't like you know, the other guys on campus, like Gundalay, uh, Lipsy, Thompson, like Xavier, you know, he's been to Iowa City knows what it's about. This wasn't like a, you know, a final, you know, this is how we're going to use you pitch. It was just more of a, you know, getting back to campus, meeting with the staff. Uh, I know he met with Gary Barta. I got to watch practice. He hung out with the guys. I believe Joe Wieskamp was his host for the weekend. Um, He got to hang out with Joe Toussaint. Um, He and Joe, if you remember, were on official visits last year. I think that's when Joe committed. Um, so they kind of became tight back then, and now you know they're still they're still friends. Uh, so really, you know, nothing nothing new. It's just he's done now. Uh, visit went well. Really wasn't much to write home about. Uh, he's very familiar with the staff in the city. So um, I think the next step is I want to say they're going to try to do some in homes um, with all five staffs. Although I think Baylor might be kind of. I think out. I think I Baylor's think they, out of the equation Zach, because they took Zach Love Day. Yeah, they just yeah they took Zach Love Day. So, um, but I mean, my opinion, this is kind of an in-state battle. I know Providence has always been intriguing, and then uh, Virginia Tech came on late. But if you look at the two schools that have been there since the start, um, Iowa State and Iowa. Um, you know, they're 
it's going to be really tough to beat those schools out, especially with the relationship that he's, that he's formed. Um, I don't think I can give you a real guess right now because, um, you know, I don't even know if Xavier really knows what he's going to do. He's got what three weeks and some change to, to figure that out. So, Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it went, it went well, like, it, like everyone would have expected. Yeah. You know, I think, I think a big thing to watch, I mean, with Xavier, I mean, I've had, I know Sean, and I have had crystal ball picks in for him for the last couple of years, but I think you summed it up pretty well, Dylan. It's, I think it's coming down to an in-state battle, but Providence, I think has done a really nice job uh, with the recruitment. They, I know the family really likes Ed Cooley, uh, and football side. We have a lot, you know, a lot of content on 24, seven sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. Um, and we're going to have more because, I mean, it takes a lot of time to catch up with you know a lot of kids that visit campus. But I do want to make two things of note, bring up very quickly before we move on to the actual football side of things. Um, Theo Johnson, high four-star tight end, who Iowa's ba- is basically top target on Iowa's board. Steve Wolfong did a nice write-up uh, on Johnson. And Iowa's done a nice job with Johnson. Uh, but I think at the end of the day that Johnson, I think, has the best relationship with with uh, Penn State, and I think they're going to be hard to top. But Iowa's still chipping away at it, and I think they're very much in the midst of this recruitment, and I think they're going to be in it till the very end. Obviously, he's going on an official visit to Michigan um, Michigan this weekend. I'm, I'm sorry, Penn State this weekend, and then he's going to Michigan in two weeks. And the other thing to note, uh, I got a chance to catch up with a couple sources regarding top 247 defensive end TJ Bowlers, who Iowa's basically been after for the last couple of years. Uh, this visit went great for him. I mean, I put up a couple of things about on our board, but bowlers in Iowa have kind of not up and down, but Iowa's kind of been in the second tier behind Wisconsin, Iowa State, and Nebraska. I know a lot of people wanted to move him up uh, to warm, basically the second Iowa offered, but this is a kid that likes being recruited. He likes taking his time, and he likes to see all of his options before kind of breaking things down. But this visit went really well for him. I uh, really, I think, got a chance to connect a little bit more with Kelvin Bell. Uh, there's a lot of in-state kids that he's very t- uh, good friends with that are Iowa commits or are Iowa targets. So they're recruiting him pretty heavily. And after talking to a couple people around his recruitment, I did move Iowa uh, to warm on his on his 24-7 sports page. So Iowa's kind of made it in that top tier. I wouldn't classify them as number one, but in all reality, I don't think that there is a number one or number two in this recruitment. I think there's just tiers, and I think Iowa is very much uh, in the first tier at this moment. So some good news on that end for a guy that I know Iowa fans really want to keep in state because he's going to get a lot more offers uh, before it's all said and done. But Guys, that, that, I think that's a good kind of overview of where things are at regarding recruiting. So let's, I know Sean's got to leave in about 10 minutes. Let's dive into uh, what happened this past weekend and what Iowa needs to fix. But basically for the second week in a row, Iowa's offense just looked inept. I mean, it looked like they could get across the 50-yard line, but the second they went into opposing territory, things just broke down. Iowa couldn't finish plays. They couldn't get in the red zone. And nothing was really working. Uh, especially on the run game, Iowa, again, 30 rushes for 70 total yards. But, uh, uh, Sean, I'll start with you. What, what were kind of your major takeaways uh, from from my offense on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you just look at the whole offensive unit. The passing game was a little – it looked a little better than – or, I mean, it's really easy to say it looked a lot better than it did against Penn State or Michigan. Um, but there's still a little bit of tiny things they need to fix up there. but 
I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line as well when you look at it big picture-wise because Stanley doesn't have much time to get anything off. Kind of still seems to be rushing. He took a lot of big hits. I mean, I know it's football, but he took a lot of big hits on Saturday. And that's something that's an mm-hmm. offensive line is is arguably your biggest thing or biggest motive is to protect the quarterback. And the quarterback's supposed to trust his guys. I know Stanley still trusts his guys. Um, the guys up front to deliver for him. But on Saturday, we saw him just getting blown up. And I think you look at the Michigan defense, they're a good bunch. They're physical. They they got speed. But Penn State was a totally different animal. And we knew that coming in because they're the top rushing defense in the country, have one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in the country. Um, their linebackers have been fantastic this year. I know Windsor was really big for them as well. Um and that's just things you need to check up on because, Dave, what was that stat that you posted? It's in Iowa's matchups with Michigan and Penn State, they've ran, they've ran the ball oh. 37 times for 189 yards. And eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It was in matchups. It was uh, Iowa State, Michigan, and Penn State, basically the three teams with a pulse that they've played. Uh, They basically, I believe they ran the ball eight maybe 80 i'll say 87 times for a total of 183 yards it comes out to about 1.89 yards per carry and that's second that that would rank second to last in the country yeah that's that's quite ridiculous and with we had all these expectations coming into the year too with guys like makai Sargent, torn young being back not necessarily um standout running backs, but guys that you're like, okay, they've proven that they can run the ball against Big Ten opponents. Obviously, it was a little shaky last year, but it's another year, and they look more set. And plus, with Tyler Goodson coming in, too, a lot of people are excited about him. He still he still shows some glitz and glam. He's got good finesse. He's got speed. But, man, there's just so much more that you want to see out of this group. And it's, it's frustrating to watch, honestly, because you know that this offense has the weapons. You know it has the potential. We know the wide receiver room has been – probably the most talented it has since Marvin McNutt and DJK. And you're kind of just like, how have we not scored? Or how have we only scored one touchdown in two weeks? And I say, I almost said not score a touchdown because you kind of forget about the Brandon Smith touchdown because it was so late in the game. It really didn't mean much at that point. So it was one of the best catches I've ever seen in person. Right, but you know what I mean. It was late in the game. People were kind of already heading for the exits, and at that point you're kind of like, oh, like, wow. Like, if it wasn't for the great catch, people probably would have forgotten about the touchdown by now. But 
you look at it, it's like two touchdowns in, or one touchdown in two weeks. That's that's not going to get the job done. And I know a team like Purdue is not great defensively. Um, their offense is kind of their strong – or is their strong suit. But you got to get the ball going against these guys or else it could be – it could be like a situation where it's been the past two years where Purdue's came in and came in and won. Dylan, what were kind of your major takeaways from the offense? Yeah, you know, I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did. Uh, don't get me wrong, it was nothing to write home about. Um, but, you know, some people are acting like the roof is caving in, and I don't think that's really the case. Obviously, you worry about the interior of the offensive line. Uh, they've been so banged up. There's been a lot of guys rotating in and out. Uh, I know Ty, we've praised Tyler Linderbaum for his play, but you got to keep in mind he's still a redshirt freshman and learning. Uh, you know, Cody Ince has been in there. Banwart was in there, but now he's hurt. You know, Kyler Schott, uh, Mark Kallenberger uh, from the Paulson brothers. Like, there's a lot of bodies in there rotating in and out. So, I mean, finding consistency there is going to be big, uh, especially when it comes to the running game and then, you know, protecting Nate Stanley. Um but, I mean, on Saturday against a Penn State defense, I started six of their 11 drives inside their own 17-yard line. So you're asking these guys to, to sustain, you know, sustain drives against this defense when they're starting deep in their own territory. And that's just really difficult to do, especially for an Iowa team that's really not known to be, you know, explosive on offense. You know, they're kind of a grinded out. You know, they're going to play defense. And, you know, they did, they take them when they can get them. Um, but then the other thing is finishing drives. It's just all year it's been it's been bad. Iowa has, I believe, 16 touchdowns, which ranks third to last in the Big Ten. So, I mean, they just haven't been finishing these drives. And it's that's one of the big things that is, you know, hampering them so far. And, and uh, you know, Keith Duncan's kind of been – reaping the benefits and he's been, you know, playing very well. You know, he's making these kicks. I believe he's missed one total. Yeah, two. Two, two yeah. Two. So, but they, the offense needs to start finishing these drives if Iowa wants to, you know, take that next step forward. You know, it, it's interesting to me because obviously my, my post-game column and after you watching the game, I'm, I'm kind of more convinced about it, but Iowa just doesn't have an identity at this point. For an Iowa football team, the past two weeks, they have thrown more passes than they have rushing yards. I, it, you know, I just never thought I'd say that because that's just so beyond the realm of comprehension for me. But Iowa has gotten away from the running game so quickly, and it does not make much sense because the play actions base the play action hasn't been there either. But Tyler Goodson broke off that twenty nine yard run. Uh, I think it was mid second quarter maybe late second quarter. Uh, it set Iowa up at the opposing 28-yard line. Goodson ran the ball three more times after he broke off that 29-yarder. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I know he fumbled. And Kirk Ferentz, you know, I think of any coach, maybe at least I've, I've seen talk, you know, an extensive amount. They pride on ball security. They pride on not turning it over. They pride on takeaways. Kirk I don't want to say fully excuse Tyler Tyler Goodson for fumbling, but he did say it wasn't his like all his fault. And when you look at the play, it really wasn't. It was a really botched kind of exchange between Stanley and Goodson, and the play got blown up immediately because the right guard, first of all, he blocked the wrong way, so he stepped the wrong way. 
and two or three other Penn State guys went, you know, just broke, shed off the first tackle or went in untouched. So by the time Goodson even remotely realized he had the ball, the play was blown up completely. But when Iowa gets away from the running game, there's no play action. And Iowa's biggest plays come off play action. And it doesn't make sense to me why Stanley's out in shotgun and you have a running back next to him and they do a play action, you know, just a fake play action that way or kind of a read option there. It, it It's not Iowa's offense. It's not what this team's built for. And right now I think there needs to be some major retooling around the offense to get to run more efficiently, more quick passes, because if not – I mean, Nate Stanley is seriously, he's just a sitting dummy target back there right now because he has taken shot after shot. Micah Parsons, I'm surprised that Stanley got up after him because Penn State like Mike Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons completely blew up Nate Stanley. Uh, and he got rid of the ball, but I mean he he took a major shot there. Yeah, and that's just what incurred on the interception. That no, no, I think that was the play before the interception, but he got I mean he he got killed, basically. I think the whole thing about that, too, Kirk Ferentz mentioned it after the game. It's just the movement on the offensive line. you got to take into account the injuries. Alaric Jackson obviously wasn't 100% against Michigan. He said he's coming, but he's been progressing well, but I still think there's a little bit of an adjustment period when you come off an injury like that and you're still trying to get used to everything. The interior guys, we haven't seen much out of the Paulsons in the past couple of years. Since they've come to Iowa, I still think they're trying to get their feet wet, which is kind of crazy to me considering they've been here for, what, four years at this point. I mean, it's totally different taking practice reps from game reps, but it still looks mm-hmm. like they're a little a little kind of behind in that regard. I think, I mean, Dave, we were talking about the other day. I know a lot of people have mentioned it. It's crazy to me how much this team misses a guy like Kyler Schacht, who not necessarily – I mean, you look at Kyler Schacht and who Iowa played against in those games that he – that he was very good in, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, those opponents aren't as strong. So I don't know if you want to say how much they miss him, but I think he will or could make an impact when he comes back. And I think Kallenberger, too, is a guy that Iowa really has had a lot of high expectations for coming out of high school. And I think he's going to have to deliver, too, because Polisek has just talked about how much he wants to see, how much he wants to see um, out of Kallenberger, the Bettendorf native. So I do think injuries have something to do with it for sure. Um, as Kirk said, just the movement everywhere has been has been concerning and probably a big reason why they haven't produced as as well they have. But it's something that really really needs to be fixed up. I mean, another thing is the turnovers. Man, you can't. I mean, I I think this was a pretty. These are two teams that are pretty even uh, in terms of talent. Uh, I think you could play the game ten times and it would probably be fifty fifty split. Um, but when you're going to turn the ball over twice, like Iowa did against a really good, uh, really good Penn State team, and give them, you know, field position, they get 10 points off these turnovers. You know how tough it's going to be to move the ball on them. That's just not a recipe for success. Um, really, if really whoever you're playing, if you're going to turn the ball over, especially in your own territory, I think that's the second time in the last two games they've fumbled inside the opposing team's red zone, and you just you can't you can't have that because. I mean, you're going to lose nine times out of 10, especially against a team like Penn State. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, I think Iowa fans, I think they're just so frustrated too at this point because I think at the beginning of the year, I think most people counted, uh, you know, I, I think they counted Michigan and Penn State as both losses. But And I think most people at that time, they would have been all right with it, but they would have understood it more. 
But now that we're in the season and they kind of saw the way the game unfolded, I mean, I, I it's easy to see why they're frustrated because Iowa at times, especially in the Michigan game, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it really felt like Michigan was just trying to uh, was trying to give the game away to Iowa. They gave them chance after chance, but Michigan's defense came up strong. Um, Penn State looked legit. Uh, I do think in the long run, Penn State's offense is going to cost them. I think Iowa's defense is playing at a Big Ten championship cal- caliber level. Um, and I don't want to say that. I mean, they, they've been tested by two, I think, pretty good offenses. And Penn State is averaging over, I think, 40 points a game still. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I think the interior of the uh, line play with the guards, they missed Kyler's shot. Um, but I do think that they, they need to work out some stuff. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Justin Britt continue to emerge up the depth chart because Kirk Ferentz said that coming into Iowa, Britt knew more about offensive line play than some of Kirk's third-year guys. And you know, from an offensive line guru standpoint, that like Kirk Ferentz is, that that's that's pretty high praise for for Britt. And it's even more amazing that he just you know is 13 mm-hmm. months coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, and I mean kind of backtracking here, Dave, you and Sean have both said the word frustrating, I think, in the first 25 minutes or so here. And I think that pretty much sums it up because, you know, it'd be different if they were losing these games, you know, by three touchdowns, but they're right there. Like, they're right there with, you know, these top white teams in the Big Ten, and you can see it, and you – there's chances, and it's just like, you know, you just want – you're pulling your hair out if you're a fan because you're like, you know – they're, they're this close, and they just can't seem to get over the hump. Um, but, I mean, like I said, it'd be different if they are getting blown out. But, but frustrating has been the word the last two weeks just because, you know, this is a good Iowa team. They have some things to figure out. Um, and, you know, they they don't really have a lot of big games left on their schedule. I know it's Wisconsin, but Wisconsin looks like they could, you know, be run anybody out of that place right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they looked very impressive against – Michigan State. So Iowa gets a, a Purdue team that's that's banged up. So that could be, you know, just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, transitioning into a little bit of Purdue talk before we answer some questions. But I mean, Dylan, it's one of those things where Purdue, I still think Purdue has a fairly talented team. They lost a lot of playmakers last year. But I mean, you look at their depth chart and their injury report, you're not really mm-hmm. sure if you're looking at uh, the roster or if you're looking at like a hospital report because there's so many uh, yeah. or like how many uh, people in the infirmary because it does look like an infirmary report I mean uh, starting quarterback Elijah Sindelar is out Rondale Moore is very unlikely to play uh, but with that being said quarterback Jack Plummer is coming off a uh, Big Ten offensive player of the week 33 for 41 420 yards three touchdowns basically the mantra of Purdue where they throw everybody deep and they have a quarterback with a good arm, good size and can deliver. Uh, But yeah, I think this would be a pretty good test for Iowa secondary. Purdue's got the 10th best uh, passing offense in the country. Uh, And Jeff Brom's schemes to free up his wide receivers are phenomenal. I'd place him in probably the top seven, top eight guys when it comes to designing, uh, you know, plays just to get the receivers open uh, they are 129th in the country in rushing, rushing offense, just over 63 yards a game. Uh, but it's almost like a defense Iowa defensive line dream for like you know guys like AJ Epinesa because now they just get a almost relentlessly pass rush and try to make some plays happen. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Geno Stone said that 
if they don't get a one or two picks, if they throw the ball 30 plus times that they should be ashamed of themselves. But, you know, taking a look at Purdue, uh, Dylan, what are some things that you're seeing and what does Iowa need to do to get back on the right track? I mean, another guy is Marcus Bailey. He had 115 tackles last year. That's a big piece for their defense. I think he's out for the year with a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Jeff Brom really hasn't hasn't caught any breaks. You know, when your All-American wide receiver goes down, um, you know, your quarterback goes down after you just – if you lose David Blau, who was there for a decade. 37 Um, years, yeah. 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 (laughs) So, I mean – it's a pretty one-dimensional team. Like you said, Dave, uh, they're a pretty bad running team. I think they averaged just a shade over three yards per carry. Um, the defense has struggled. They're giving up about 30 points a game. Um, Jack Plummer was good last week, but that, to keep in mind who that was against. Um, yep. Maryland. Maryland. Defense, yep. Not, yeah, not the strongest either. Um, for Iowa. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You know, this is a this is a good offense. I know people don't want to hear it, um, but it is. They're you know they're Purdue's bottom two in total defense, so this could be you know exactly what uh, they need to kind of get back rolling. I think Iowa puts up uh, thirty plus points. They're going to have to keep their eye on George Karlaftis. Um, nine and a half tackles for a loss, four sacks. Uh, both of those marks lead the team. And then on offense, David Bell. Um, Iowa recruited him, so Iowa fans should be. Um, very, very aware of who that is. Uh, he's off to a good start as a true freshman. He's top five in the Big Ten. Uh, I think he's right around four catches per game, 73 yards. So um, it's not it's not going to be the Purdue team that I think strikes fear in you. But, you know, Jeff Brown's had Iowa's number the last two years. So, and with mm-hmm. their kind of air raid offense, you know, anything can really happen. Yeah, Carl Loftus, by the way, is he was the number three defensive end in the 20, uh, 2019 class, uh, almost like an AJ Epinesa hybrid, in my opinion, size, speed, pass rush. I mean, he's dynamic. I know people don't want the AJ Epinesa comparisons, but the guy's a freak. He's got a really, really bright future. Uh, David Bell's really come on, I think, in the past two weeks, especially with Rondale Moore's injury. I think he had a pair of touchdowns last week, Hundred over 120-some yards. He's a guy who I advocated to be a five-star receiver by 24-7 sports. I know he was very on the verge, but, I mean, he he is dynamic. Uh, so Matt Hankins, Michael Ojemudia, and all them should be in for a nice challenge. And I think this is a game that Iowa's defensive backfield don't take very personally, especially after what happened last year and even the year mm-hmm. before. Because, remember, Iowa had to start Julius Brents and Riley Moss, I believe, against Purdue last year. And yes. they just continued to pick on Riley Moss and and Brents. And it got to the point where Phil Parker just kept throwing in defensive backs every other, you know, every other series, but they ran the exact same route and the same guy continued to crush them. So it, I think this is a game that Geno Stone's excited for. I think it's a game that Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudi are very excited for. Uh, and it's almost like a DB's dream too, because they have a shot, a bunch of picks and pass breakups. So I'm interested uh, to see what happens there. But like you mentioned, I think that this is a 
a chance for Iowa to take out some offensive frustration uh, in this yeah. game. Yeah, I think I think the defensive backfield being fully healthy is going to help. But I mean, it's no secret that you know Purdue's kind of had the key to the kind of unlocks the the box to Phil Parker's defense the last couple of years. Um, I think they put up 24 a couple of years ago, and then it was in the 30s last year. So um, that's pretty good against an, a really good Iowa defense uh, year in and year out. Um, but yeah, for Iowa, I, I look, and I think you tweeted it out. Do you, you think Tyler Goodson is going to get his first touchdown um, this week? I would back that. Uh, Purdue's 11th in run defense in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, uh, giving up about 167 yards a game. So I look for Iowa really to get back to what they do. Um, Purdue's going to allow them to run the football. That's that's going to happen. So uh, turn and give it to one of your uh, one of your three-headed monsters, and then you know work off the the play action. I think. Brandon Smith, Reganian, uh, Smith, Marset have kind of separated themselves as you know the three guys, which we kind of thought they would. Um, I believe yeah. they're all of them are in the top twelve in the Big Ten in catches per game, so um, they're kind of taking that step that we. Did you ever think you would say that, Dylan? Uh, no, I did not. All three of them, <laughs> no. So, but yeah, look for them to stretch the field off that play, off the play action, off the run. Um, and just get real, get back to what you do best. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I think this is a game where I think Nate Stanley needs to – and I'll, we'll get to this in a minute. But, yeah, you know, I think that this is a game, Dylan, where Iowa needs to run the ball well. They have to run the ball well because I believe if they don't run the ball well in this Saturday, I don't know if I can count – you know, if we can count on them running the ball right the rest of the season because Purdue's defense is – it's very young, by the way. Like, let's not – that, that is, it's a real thing. I know some people say that's an excuse, but that Purdue defense is very young. They have one fifth-year guy. Uh, I believe his name is Ben Holt. He has 60 tackles, and that's double anyone else on that defense, which is a phenomenal stat. Um, they only have two other seniors starting, a lot of freshmen, lost sophomore guys. Uh, but I think this is a game, Dylan, where I think Tyler Goodson needs to run the ball 20-plus times. I think this is the game where you really, really – Say, hey, we know you fumbled last game. And by the way, again, Kirk Ferentz kind of, you know, gave, gave Tyler a pass on that one because that was just a completely botched play from the start. Be like, yep. hey, we trust you. Uh, you're on, back on your home field. You're a playmaker. Go out and make something happen. And, I, you know, it's interesting to me, Dylan, because when I look at the last couple of games from Makai Sargent, I really wonder where Makai Sargent's head's at right now because he fumbled on the first play against Michigan he had the ball – I think he ran the ball nine times for 17 or 18 yards last game, and he just looks like ever since that first uh, – since that fumble against Michigan, he's almost been a, a deer in the headlights. Uh, and Tyler Goodson – and Torn Young's been okay. He, you know, he's delivered, but they haven't given the ball to him consistently. But what are you kind of seeing out of uh, – do you think Makai Sargent's head's kind of, you know, I, I rattled a bit since the fumble, or do you think that that's just a part of the two-game skid and a part of the long season? I mean, I think it's just a part of the two games, kid. You know, these two defenses are, you know, they're good defenses. I mean, I don't think we're giving them enough credit. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think if you weren't watching the game too closely on Saturday, you would have never known Makai Sargent played. You know, he carried the ball nine times, but it was two yards to carry. So, yep. um, so it's, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not one to say where Makai's at mentally. So, but I mean, You'd think that something like that could affect you, but you know, I think it's more of a 
a, a thing with with Penn State and Michigan just being you know physical at the line of scrimmage and Iowa's interior offensive line just being young and a little bit inexperienced and I think that's kind of what is what's playing a factor here these last two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a little bit. I I, I think that. It is tough for us to say where Makai Sargent's head's at. We didn't get a chance to talk to him our last couple of availabilities, but I, I, I do wonder. But he, he fumbled a couple of times last year and bounced back with a pair of great performances against Illinois and Nebraska. Granted, it's Illinois and Nebraska, and their defenses are nothing to brag about. But, mm-hmm. you know, the fact is that he did. He produced, and that, that's what mattered at that time. But, yeah, I think Tyler Goodson needs to get the ball more. I Again, that 29-yard run, and they just stopped giving him the ball. They only gave him, you know, targeted him once in the passing game. But let's kind of move on really quick, Dylan, before we start wrapping things up. Uh, Nate Stanley, you know, he's a very hot-button target right now with some of the things that have gone wrong. And I I see it to an extent, but I also believe that he – just him being the quarterback, he's going to get – he's going to get a lot of criticism that probably isn't – completely warranted especially given the way the offensive lines played i mean you look at his numbers uh you know against penn state i don't think he played that bad i think the worst play that he had wasn't even the interception it was on that second and goal and he threw it behind brandon smith on that slant because brandon smith had his guy beat and that would have been a touchdown early um i'm i again i want to keep railing on mentality where nate stanley's at but I do wonder how much confidence he has in his line and how much confidence he has in the offense because I still believe, as crazy as it sounds, I still believe Nate Stanley has a chance to kind of seal the deal as a very good quarterback in Iowa history, maybe even better. But they're going to have to win the next six games, including at Wisconsin. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the opportunity is there. Uh, But – where would you kind of how much blame would you kind of put on Nate right now? And how much of it do you think is just steaming from other issues, whether it be, you know, even up to uh, Brian Ferentz, up the offensive line? Uh, and how much of it is just is just uh, on Nate right now? You know, this is this is a shared, shared blame, in my opinion. I know a lot of people, you know, you look and, uh, you know, the two scapegoats are easy, your quarterback and your head coach. Those are the two when things start to go south. Those are the two guys that get a majority of the rap and you know I'm not saying he's not at fault here because he had some throws in both the Michigan game and both the Penn State game that are throws you expect a third year starter to make you know the two picks against Michigan uh, I guess he threw three the one wasn't his fault but the two the two picks against Michigan were terrible Uh, the pick against Penn State that's tough he had a guy breathing right down his right down his neck coming right up Mm -hmm. Main Street there Um, the slant like you mentioned he missed him should have had that one um but, you know, the running game, the offensive line, and I think, you know, the scheme a little bit, I'm not going to be one to harp on it because, you know, they get paid a lot of money to call plays. I don't. for, And it's for a good reason. So, I mean, he gets part of it, but he doesn't get all of it. He's played fine. It It hasn't been great, but not as bad as some people are really making it out to be. And the way Iowa's offense runs, too um... – I put in my post-game column about Iowa losing its identity. I think I titled it like reality check. Iowa has no identity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Iowa is 40 and four in the past. And since the start of 2015, when they run the ball for over a hundred yards they're 40 and four, when they don't, they're one in 15. 
that stat alone tells you exactly what Iowa needs to do offensively. Running, set up the pass. I know people want to say it's boring. It's not modern college football. But if Iowa runs the ball, they traditionally win. That, that That's just the way it always has been under Kirk Ferentz. Obviously, the one win is from the 2018 Outback Bowl when Iowa ran for negative, negative 20 yards and still won. <laughs> Uh, pretty solid but I mean another another thing to look at is like you know the through the first four games you know pass attempts you know Miami Ohio 30 Rutgers 28 Iowa State 35 Middle Tennessee State 25 and then we're plus 40 here all of a sudden these last two weeks so I mean when you're talking about identity like you were Dave like that just doesn't it doesn't fall in line with what they have been doing all year long and it's I don't know. It does. It's it's confusing. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I I agree. And I, I think that this is a good chance for Iowa to come back, try to prove who they are. Nate Stanley will throw a couple touchdowns, get the running game going, because in all reality, Iowa can march into Madison, Wisconsin, at six and two. Mm-hmm. They win. Assuming Wisconsin loses to Ohio State, well, then look who's back on top in the Big Ten West again. Not saying it happens. But Iowa has not played a Big Ten West opponent, and I think that it, uh, I think that matters, especially you know because Iowa's goal and most people's goals entering the season was for a Big Ten West title and have a shot at a Big Ten title. And as frustrated as people are with Nate Kirk and everybody else saying it, but I'll say it too: the goals are on the table; they can still do it. Is it likely? That's not for me to decide. We'll see. but yeah, so I think Dylan and I both agree that Iowa is going to get the run game going. They're going to try to take out some frustration. The defense is going to continue to play. Um, and, you know, Purdue's offensive line, by the way, is bad. I mean, and they have a redshirt yep. freshman quarterback in. They gave up 10 sacks against Penn State. I know it's Penn State, but they uh, they have not been protecting him well at all. Yeah, I think 2.8 sacks per game for them so far. That offensive line is giving up, so. Uh, the Iowa's defensive line could have a, a field day. Uh, I think the last thing for me, Dave, for Saturday, um, is just just finish finish a drive. Yep. Like, I think first drive of the game. Six, yeah, they average three less yards per game than Minnesota does for comparison, and they have twelve less touchdowns. Wow. I just yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand it. It's it's confusing. Um, I mean, I don't I don't really know what's going it's like i said it's confusing so just finish a drive off stop the line on keith duncan and get your points he's done a good job uh just punch the ball in the end zone yep uh before we wrap things up here dylan let's just get we have a couple twitter questions quick uh we'll dive into these real quick we're we're gonna save our predictions by the way for our saturday morning game pick piece i'll do my iowa prediction on friday when my big my big uh preview happens but uh first of all JBM Hawkeye says, I'm at nine wins after the regular season. Only one more loss. Agree or disagree, Dylan? Uh, yeah, probably agree. Um, I don't I mean, Minnesota might strike a little bit of fear in you, but they haven't. I don't think they've won in Iowa City in like a decade. So maybe longer. 20 um, years. Nebraska doesn't look the same. Um, Illinois is not very good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, the only thing, the only game you really worry about, I think, is, you know, was obviously the trip to Wisconsin is, is going to be tough. And then obviously on the road at Northwestern, Northwestern looks terrible too. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's a safe bet. Yeah, Northwestern always finds a way to cause problems. And, you know, I know Ohio State did what they did uh, to Nebraska in Lincoln, but Lincoln's not exactly an easy place to play. I, I've been in that atmosphere an awful lot. Uh, it's not an easy place to play. And, you know, I think the fan base, if they could choose one game to win the rest of the regular season, they're picking Iowa. So they're going to go all in on that game. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I think Iowa at nine wins. I think that's good. Then, you know, they win the bowl game. They go 10-3. I think people are like, all right, well, it's a decent season, but missed on, on opportunities, but double-digit win season again. Uh, Joe Williams, will Iowa be stubborn and play a 4-3 on the first possession and let the slot wide receiver score? I think that's a big thing, Dylan, because that was one thing that yeah. I, I, I – I couldn't for the life of me figure it out. Phil Parker is an absolute genius, by the way. He is much more qualified to analyze this than I am at all. Uh, yeah. But Iowa made the 4-2-5 switch after the Wisconsin game when Nick Neiman got beat a couple times, especially on that final drive. Well, Nick Neiman was guarding K.J. Hamler on Penn State's big first touchdown drive. He had 42 receiving yards on that drive, including that stellar 22-yard catch, by, catch and run, by the way. Uh, but Iowa had a linebacker on him the whole time. And, yep. you know, you got to wonder when they're going to throw in the cash again because Iowa defensive backs have said they've been practicing it, but they just haven't been haven't been utilizing it in games. Yeah, that uh, that kind of stuck out to me, too. I mean, uh, how couldn't it if you're if you're actually watching it? Um, Nick Neiman's a good he's very good in uh, in in, you know, pass coverage. But when you're asking him to guard a guy like KJ Hamler, it's just really hard for him. And he, he almost got, he almost got it. So credit mm-hmm. to him, but that, that's a situation where you need to see, you know, another defensive back on the field. Um, you know, maybe they don't, maybe they don't score the touchdown. Maybe they still do. I mean, ifs, ifs and buts. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think that they said yesterday that um, they've kind of been implementing it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll, we'll we're probably going to see it this weekend because Purdue's going to spread it out. Yeah, and you're right about that too. I mean, Neiman, that would have been a pick six. Well, you assume a pick six. You don't know if he's going to be able to outrun everybody, but uh, <laughs> you know. But yeah, again, no, he made he, he made a good read. He just yeah, he did quick enough to get there. Yeah, and uh, you hate you hate to say this because it's you know hindsight's king, right? But a DB picks that off. I mean, that's how close it was. It was literally a split yeah. second. Um. Race car passenger, what's the latest with Iowa with Jamari Sibley? Where's Iowa stand? Uh, right now, I think Iowa is on the outside looking in. I won't go into too many specifics. They did a great job with his visit. Um, and I don't think, Dylan, that would have anything to do really with his um, with his relationship with Iowa or anything because Iowa's been recruiting him for three years. But I'm not convinced that he's a Big Ten type player not that he's not a big 10 talent but his skill set might not be best utilized uh within the big 10 conference so not saying i was well, out of it because they're not but i think they're on the outside looking seemed, in kind of seems like maybe they've gone in a different direction too with the gun delay obviously they still want foster and then they just offer this kid from indy the perkins kid so mm-hmm. um 
yeah, and I'm, I'm obviously with you from what we're hearing. Uh, seeing on, let's see, were there any specific changes to the O-line? Other than, were you able to take anything away from Tuesday's press conference about specific changes to the O-line other than uh, Britt not redshirting? Any quick fit fixes? That's from Woodshed, Iowa, 52242. That's just too great. I had to say that. Uh, but no, you know, I, uh, I don't think there really is. And with the problems that I was having on the offensive line, there's no simple quick fix. They're going to have to rotate guys. I think Justin Britt here's, here's what I think. I think Justin Britt has a tremendous future at Iowa. Okay. I think he's a very good talent. I think that was a great job by Kirk and company to land him. But, and I mean this with all due respects and you got to hear the way I I'm articulating this. You know, I was in trouble if they're relying on a true freshman that is 13 months coming off an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate to say it, you know, and again, that's not a shot at the kid. That's just the situation where I was in right now on the offensive line. I'm not convinced Kallenberger's real position should be at guard. You know, I think he has a shot at it, but I think at this point, I was just trying to put their best five guys, but Justin Britt is a, bred to be a guard and he's done well the times he's been in uh but i think at this point what do you have to lose other than try to give him an extended run especially with the fact that they said uh you know brit's not redshirting so i'm interested seeing what they do there you know levi paulson's been a grand bastard for the program uh he looks pretty good at tackle when he had to play tackle when larry jackson was Mm -hmm. out but again his struggles really shown well have showed when he's been playing guard this year yeah, and you almost wonder with with Britt if nothing happens to Kyler Shot, does does he get as much run as he's getting? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and even Cole Banwert, uh, though Cole Banwert is one of my guys that I didn't think I, I was off at the line could afford to lose, and he's think played in one half games maybe. So if that, you know, yeah, you're, rely, you're just relying on a lot of rotating bodies, and it can be difficult, especially when most of them are. Are young outside of the Paulsons, you know, Britt, Linderbaum, uh, Kallenberger, and it's just there's a lot of a lot of moving parts in there, and uh, we are obviously the last couple of weeks seeing that mm-hmm. it's a work in progress. You know, I again, I, I'd say there's no quick fixes. I'd like to see what Britt can do, and Kyler Shaw is going to return this season. I should mention that, uh, but he's mm-hmm. not going to be back till probably Wisconsin. They're shooting toward get it shot shoot. Okay, I'll, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens there, but you know I think Kyler Shot really is proven to be a very good piece of this Iowa offensive line, and they they really do need him back. But if I'm Iowa, I give Britt a shot, and I also do a lot more outside runs because Tyler Goodson, for his skill set, I think he's been running too much to the inside. I think they need to get him outside in space, um, and it also gives your chance for you know your tackles to play a part in lead blocking rather than you know going in between Linderbaum and Britt and that means you're going between you know you're going between a redshirt freshman first year offensive lineman and a true freshman so I I think Iowa needs to redesign their playbook a little bit given the offensive line struggles but you know to be fair to the coaching staff as well as the players that's incredibly difficult to do when you're halfway through the season. And I was a little surprised with you know the the struggling of the running game I was a little surprised I didn't try to get fits in, in in some screen opportunities get some guys out in front of them you know kind of like a run but you know you set up that screen you know with those Kent State you know um rushers coming at Stanley as hard as they were coming at him 
try to get Goodson out in some space where he's um, very dangerous, um, can make a lot of guys miss. So maybe that I think he had one catch. That was it. So, one cat, one target, nine yards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I figured maybe they'd try to get the ball in his hands a little bit more that way, um, but they did not. You know, it's interesting to me too. Before we wrap this up, Dylan. Uh, you know, I think you bring up a good point about the screens. The biggest thing that I've seen though from Iowa when they run screens is they do get a little bit screen happy. Uh, you know, it'll work a couple times, and then Brian will run two of the next three additional plays screens, mm-hmm. and the defense sniffs them out. So I think Iowa needs to do a better job of picking and choosing when they screen. But I like the idea of doing it also because Tyler Linderbaum has proven to be an outstanding blocker in the open field. I mean, he'll take down a guy. He'll go find a second guy. And you don't see many red, you know, freshman linemen doing that. So you got a guy like Linderbaum. You got a guy that can make people miss like Goodson. I think if you can find a way to implement him a little bit smart and kind of pick and choose your battles a little bit better, I think that'd be, you know, it's a good way to get the ball out of Stanley's hands quicker as well. Yeah, but, no, I agree. I think, but I think they'll, they'll bounce back this week. This is a veteran staff. Um, I don't think that Iowa fans have much to worry about. These were, you know, marked on the schedule as, you know, I had Michigan as a loss and Penn State as a win. Um, you know, both of them end up being losses. It's not the most surprising thing in the world, but now you get a chance to get back on track. Uh, they will. They've been here before. It's not new territory. So, we need to cool our jets here in our yeah. nation. I mean, it's, I mean it, you know, it's one of those things where it's always one extreme to the other. It's the best and the worst thing about sports. It happens. But I mean, like we've mentioned, Dylan, there's a lot to play for still. There's still a lot of rivalry games. Iowa can still run the table in the West, you know, and, and they can still get some revenge on opponents they haven't beaten in the last few years, like Purdue, like Northwestern, Wisconsin in that mix. Again, I, I, I'm not saying Iowa's going to win. I don't think people should expect to win. But the game's played for a reason. The game's not played on paper. So yeah. I was actually – I was looking, Dave. I, I was looking at some lines down at the sports book, and Iowa was a six-and-a-half-point underdog, underdog um, Saturday night. Sunday morning, they're a nine-and-a-half-point dog to Wisconsin. So that's how much it moved overnight. Yeah. yeah. No, Iowa season long. So that's going to be – that's uh, toughest game left on their schedule, obviously. Um, Iowa's favoring the other five, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe that's accurate. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, a 10-win season still on the table, including a bowl game. There's still a lot left to be played. And stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports for that. Obviously, we have a lot of post-game coverage following uh, Purdue, heading in Northwestern, a lot of recruiting stuff. Because this weekend, Dylan, we're not going to do too much of a deep dive here, but there's another full full strand of recruits coming through, according to uh, Iowa Director of Recruiting Tyler Barnes. So Iowa's really getting a lot of guys on campus trying to build those relationships and uh, yeah, you know, score was, some big in-state wins. That was surprising because normally you don't see packed houses for 11 a.m. kicks. Obviously, with the Penn State game being a night game, that was you know easy, chalk it up, and mm-hmm. you know they're going to have a, a full house. But this one's interesting to me. I don't. And I've only been covering recruiting for four or five years, but I don't know if I remember an 11 a.m. being a capacity. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's tough because, the, you know, a lot of those kids play high school games at 11, you know, the night uh-huh. before, and then they got to travel to Iowa City, and that could be a very long trip. Um, yeah. It's just tough on the family at times, and you don't they don't really get to enjoy the visit because they're tired the entire time. Uh, yep, and it's, it's over yeah, so, in, a, in a flash. So. Yep. 
so yeah, we'll have plenty of content over at HawkeyeInsider.com, another post-game podcast this weekend, recruiting updates, a lot more. We're finally about to get into some basketball season, so football and basketball crossover. Uh, busiest time of the year for us, but it's also great because there's so much to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, obviously you can find this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes, and be sure to follow all of us on Twitter um hawkeyes on 24 7 and uh yeah thanks for listening guys take care okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.